You're listening to the Embrace Family Recovery Podcast, a place for real conversations with people who love someone with the disease of addiction. Now here is your host, Margaret Swift Thompson. Welcome back to the conversation with Barb and Tom. In this episode, Tom, who is a successful businessman in the corporate world, shares more about how he surrendered to this being a no-fault disease rather than intellectual exercises. The recovery journey for Tom and Barb really speaks to how we are exposed to recovery as a family for a specific illness. And yet the benefits of working the recovery program as family members trickle into all aspects of one's life. Let's get back to Tom and Barb. The Embrace Family Recovery Podcast. I wonder, Tom, not to be assumptive, but uh, you're a very successful person who works really hard and acknowledges that this was a intellectual process for you until you learned. It takes some level of humility, in my opinion, to go from a type A, get it done person who believes is intellectual to be humble enough to realize that it is an illness, that it will not be the 30-day car wash and fixed, and to embrace these concepts. Do you think that that was a challenge or you were just so willing because of your love for your family to learn that it came quite easily for you? One, I'm not sure it was easy. Um, And yes, my love for my family and my wife and my kids and all that were a big motivator. But there was a guy, you can maybe help me with this story, but there was a guy, one of the teachers in the program who had cut off his arm it was the most incredible story I had ever heard in my life. And yet, of, of horror. I mean, it was a horrible story. That, and there was another story about a pastor or a priest or a minister, whatever it was, who didn't under, intellectually didn't understand this whole idea of meth. And uh, this guy took the meth and... And to try it, to be a better counselor, I guess, he thought, or mentor. And he immediately got hooked and lost everything in his life, you know. These two stories, are, I still remember them 10 years later. And, and it's this whole idea of um, you can't cause and you can't cure. The dad was an addict and then the son became an addict or was an addict. But the dad didn't cause it. And... And you think, wow, okay. And you just start to believe that that's the deal, you know. So for some reason, that story with me, it just really, really hit home. And and it made me believe that you can't cause. And so that, I think, was the turning point for me that says you can't cause this. It's It's an innate issue like cancer or you get in a cold or you know i mean you, you get an illness and now you've got to go seek the treatment for the illness and any more than you know barb had emergency 
surgery in December for gallbladder. You know, can't cause that either. It is what it is. And you just fix it. That was an easy fix. This is a different fix. So I, I think what you speak to was the power of uh, the family program designed so many years ago at Hazel and Betty Ford by some incredible people who had the foresight to know one of the most impactful aspects of it would be putting people who are family members in a room with people who have the disease who are not related to you so you can learn from one another without that angst that would be there if it was your person. I'm just going to say what you said is you changed your whole persona business-wise after Eric went to treatment. Mm. Yeah. Not 100%, but a lot. A lot. At the, the, your whole approach, the, your whole approach, you, it, was a, it was a great... It was a big turning point, yeah. It, it was for you. And, and who would have thought that would be an outcome, right? When you're facing this and the secrecy and the shame, and then you internalize the truth of it, which sets you free from some of that, to then continuing to do your career with a whole different added approach. Yeah, and, and by being open about it, you know, we realize this issue is everywhere. And if it's not drugs or alcohol or some other form of addiction, it, it's everywhere. And, and every family is affected by it. Someone in every single family, is, that everybody we know. Almost, I mean, I'm sure there's everybody we know. We don't go around asking that question, but it's, it's everywhere. And, and I think the best thing about it is being open and, and being really open about it because you get help from people or, or you get given direction on where to get help, you know. So, Barb, you spoke to the people out there who identify as enablers. Tom, I want you to speak to the the dads, because I think that sometimes the dads are harder to reach. The moms will get into the program sometimes a lot faster than the dads, especially dads who are really struggling with either shame or intellectualizing the process. Yeah, it's failure, right? I failed to be the proper parent of, you know, my child. And now they, you know, think about these, I guess Eric was a little older, right? With two kids, but wasn't like he was 18 or 19 or 20 when we were going through this. He was using them, but not to the extent where he was at, at this point in 2009, you know, 10, and 11. And I'm sure it's even more difficult as a 16, 17, 18, 19, 20-year-old dad about failure, you know, failure to teach your kids right and wrong. It goes back to the cause and cure issue. And if you, if you don't recognize it as an illness, you'll never, you'll never, relieve yourself of that burden of guilt or responsibility it's an illness it's no different than cancer i mean that's let's put it that way and in my opinion yep and based on what i've learned so once you get that and grasp it then you can start figuring out how to move forward and get the help to to fix it so i think but i get it that it's a failure you you feel like it's a failure we have all these grandchildren and all of them have, one has cerebral palsy, one has uh, PCD, one has autism, one has dyslexia. Okay. Yeah, this one is, everybody's special. This podcast is made possible by listeners like you. Can you relate to what you're hearing? Never miss a show by hitting the subscribe button. Now back to the show.
I love the word special, right? Like that's a whole different context rather than damaged or dysfunctional or like I, that drives me nuts because as human beings, we are complex and we are unique and we have all sorts of flavors to us. And so to see them as special and to see them as unique and just as capable of having a wonderful life as everyone else, how can we support them? The one who's got dyslexia, I, I said, you know, many, many, many CEOs of large companies have dyslexia and they've overcome it through all this hard work, which is why they're successful leaders of businesses, right? My dad used to say, the perfect man died yesterday and the next one won't be born until tomorrow. So, <laughs> you know, and today there's nobody perfect. I like that saying. Right. That's a pretty good saying. I haven't thought of that <laughs> I haven't thought of that saying. My dad's been dead 46 years. I haven't thought about that since then. And then uh, Barb's uncle Jerry used to say, save like you're going to live forever and pray like you're going to die tomorrow. That was his <laughs> Little nuggets along the way. Old time sayings, yeah. yeah. Any last glimmer of thought? Anything you want to share that you think you didn't get a chance to? Nope. Good luck to you, honey. You got a big job ahead of you here. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for... Uh, I, I just thank you. You know, you were uh, unbelievably important uh, 10 years ago. February, in our journey. In our, sure. in our journey. And, you know, we stayed connected. You you made a huge impression. When I retired, wrote my book in 17. I reached out to you that hadn't talked to you for several years. And we connected again. And, and uh, uh, so thank you for helping me on that journey as well. And, we wish you the best, and we're we're uh, thrilled to be the first couple of interviews. So. <laughs> yeah, you're you're paving the way. I wanted to also just say, I think one of the things that I remember clearly about your family was the willingness for everybody to get on board. You know, for people to come through, for your generosity to offer that to your children. And I know that many family members come in in that place of thinking this is just going to be that car wash and then they're going to smooth sail. And I, I'm grateful that you shared that is not the case and you still can get through it because we need that message out there that this is not a on-off yeah, switch. No, no, no. It is a life journey. And you, there is no fairy godmother waving a wand and making everything all better after 30 days in a program it it's it, it it would be wonderful if someone could do that but it doesn't exist and and as we all admit it affects all kinds of people not just the addict it affects all kinds of people so everybody's on the journey together which brings us full circle to where we started with your son who I am so sorry for the loss of your grandson and the tragedy that he and you have as a family gone through. Speaking to you and you ask him point blank about where he's at and he says, I've got people around me, my recovery community stepping up. Like that is the fairy godmother if there is such a thing, right? The same for the both of you, the people you've reached out and let in who are your mentors, your support, you're, they're there for you. So he has this this amazing group of people that are so tight they're so tight together and they really all look out for each other yeah and right now they're all just there for him and it's a beautiful thing really. Yeah, it really is. and that gives you both permission oh. to continue oh. to detach with love yeah self-care 
recognize he does have people. Because I think that's one of the things that people struggle with in the early days of how do I let go? Because who then will pick up? Who then will be there? Who then will support? And that's the magic of if we can internalize that the recovery community steps in for the addict, works with them, helps them. If they're willing to do the work, we do the same in our Al-Anon program, and it can change dramatically the whole family system. For sure. And it's, as I said, I used the word freeing before. It is very freeing. Uh, Here's what I will tell you. The first night he went to treatment was the first night I had a good night's sleep in so many years. And now if I can't sleep, it's because I'm getting old. <laughs> so, well, there's a note to leave it on. Thanks, Barb. There we go. There we go. Well, I appreciate your time so much and I uh, wish you well. And hopefully we can get together for another lunch or breakfast in the near future when you get back up. Love it. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you, Margaret. Goodbye, Thank Margaret. Take care. I can't tell you how much I enjoyed recording this podcast with Barb and Tom. I have been blessed with meeting thousands of amazing families, and very often in my past work at Hazel Betty Ford, I would meet them, we'd spend some time together in the program, and then I would never know how their family story unfolded. I appreciate so much Tom and Barb's generosity in sharing how the 10-year journey has unfolded for their family and the reality that life is bumpy, whether we have this disease or not. And what keeps us on stable ground through it all is the work of 12-step recovery. Next week, I look forward to introducing you to Diane, a friend, a powerhouse in the field of addiction, and a warrior of a woman who knows this family disease intimately from many perspectives. And she always maintains a willing heart of a teacher. Please find resources on my website, EmbraceFamilyRecovery.com. This is Margaret Swift Thompson. Until next time, please take care of you.